0: KVMR FM, Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Good evening, my name is Claudio Mendoza. Today is Wednesday, April 20th. It's 6 p.m. and it's time for the KVMR Evening News. The Oroville Dam is in the news tonight. The Earth-filled dam on the Feather River was the site of a press conference held today where Governor Gavin Newsom talked about how his administration plans to respond to the ongoing drought. The California News Service brings us a story about equity and how voting by mail reduced the racial gap in voting in the previous election. After regional news and weather, Paul Emery talks with hydrogeologist Steve Baker about how the Salton Sea could factor heavily in the Golden State's transition to a fossil fuel-free future.
1: This is the California Report. I'm Alex Hall. Governor Gavin Newsom visited the Oroville Dam yesterday to talk about the ongoing drought and the state's plans to address it. As North State Public Radio's Alex Stutson reports, California might need to shut down one of its largest hydroelectric plants.
2: Governor Gavin Newsom gave the update inside the Edward Hyatt power plant, about 670 feet below the top of the Oroville Dam, while turbines whirred around him. He said he chose the location in part to highlight a key piece of the state's critical infrastructure built over 50 years ago. Lake Oroville, behind the dam, holds water that serves about 27 million Californians.
3: And it's in that spirit that we're here because that's the kind of innovation, that's the kind of work that we need to advance today to address the weather whiplash that we're now experiencing.
2: Newsom noted the hydropower plant is currently operating at 50 percent capacity due to low levels in the lake. Last summer, for the first time in history, the plant was forced to shut down, also due to low water levels. Newsom acknowledged that the drought has been hard on the North State.
3: And we're going to follow through on our commitments to continue to do more and do better for the people in the northern part of the state of California, wildfire preparedness and drought preparedness.
2: Details were scarce on the state's next steps. Newsom pointed to the $5.2 billion allocated for drought relief last year and says his office is working to secure more funding from the state legislature. For the California Report, I'm Alex Stutson in Butte County.
1: With drier winters, hotter summers, and year-round potential for wildfires, Southern California is experiencing the effects of climate change. And the grab bag of wild weather isn't lost on SoCal voters, according to a new poll. As KCRW's Matt Gillum reports, the threats presented by a warming world are registering with people, and they support policies to address them. 64%
3: of voters in L.A. County and the Inland Empire describe the threat of extreme heat to the well-being of them and their families as very serious or somewhat serious. The poll out from UC Berkeley's Institute of Governmental Studies and co-sponsored by the L.A. Times finds statewide roughly two-thirds of voters believe the uptick in triple-digit temperatures could impact their well-being. Naturally, politics plays a role in perspective. Nearly 80% of California Democrats say extreme heat presents a risk. In stark contrast, just shy of two-thirds of Golden State Republicans say soaring temperatures do not pose a serious health risk. However, the poll finds a majority of voters of all political stripes in the state support California putting restrictions on building new housing in areas at high risk of wildfire. As the state works to get more power from renewable energy sources, California voters were mixed on the scheduled shutdown of the Diablo Canyon nuclear plant along the central coast. Currently, nearly 40 percent oppose shuttering the plant, a third support the closure, and more than a quarter of voters say they're not sure. For the California Report, I'm Matt Gillum.
1: Across California, law enforcement agencies are under increasing scrutiny over using the DNA of sexual assault survivors in unrelated criminal investigations. Santa Clara County supervisors heard testimony Tuesday as KQED's Auditi Bunlamudi reports. Back in February, San Francisco police were found misusing DNA from sexual assault survivors to possibly incriminate them in other unrelated cases. Santa Clara County Assistant DA David Angel told supervisors his office doesn't want to discourage survivors or witnesses from reporting crimes.
2: We have very strict protocols who can be uploaded and it explicitly excludes victims and also witnesses.
1: But no law dictates that policy. That could change. A bill is making its way through Sacramento that would bar law enforcement from keeping DNA profiles of sexual assault survivors in a searchable database. For the California Report, I'm Aditi Bandlamudi. And yesterday, the San Francisco Board of Supervisors unanimously approved an ordinance banning the misuse of crime victims' DNA. The measure will prohibit police from storing DNA profiles obtained from crime scene evidence, including rape kits, in city-run databases for more than 60 days. Thousands of nurses in Northern California have been locked out by Sutter Health after participating in a one-day strike on Monday. In a statement to the San Francisco Chronicle, the hospital chain says they guaranteed five days of work for replacement workers that were hired as they had to make contingency plans with the uncertainty over the work stoppage. The nurses will not be able to return to work until Saturday morning. The California Nurses Association, which represents the nurses, told the Chronicle the lockout was a vindictive anti-union move. The contract for Sutter nurses expired in February, and the sides have been negotiating since last summer.
2: Support for the California Report comes from Personal Capital, providing people with financial tools like the retirement planner to help them achieve their financial goals. PersonalCapital.com. PaintCare now with 834 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement.
1: Republicans in Sacramento are urging the budget committees in both the Assembly and Senate to set aside $10 billion in the 2022-2023 budget for mental health services. The Sacramento Bee reports that the goal is to develop new county mental health and addiction treatment facilities, along with new centers focused on behavioral health education. Republicans say Governor Newsom's proposal to fund Care Court, which would move thousands of mentally ill and addicted people into mandatory treatment, treatment, treatment plans doesn't go far enough and that there have been major gaps in the mental health system for decades. Meanwhile, Los Angeles County's proposed budget for the next fiscal year also includes new investments in mental health. KPCC's Robert Garova has more.
0: The proposal includes about $4 million for mental health crisis response and outreach. County CEO Fizia Davenport plans to use federal funds to accommodate demand for the Department of Mental Health's outreach, engagement, and crisis response, among other efforts.
4: We need safety and innovations like alternative crisis response to keep our neighborhoods safe and healthy over the long term.
0: The investment would provide for about 24 additional positions. In 2020, the county's psychiatric mobile response teams went out on more than 20,000 calls, with roughly 7,000 of those leading to a patient being placed in a hospital. The teams are an alternative to sending armed sheriff's deputies. Demand is so high for the unarmed teams that response times can be several hours or even an entire day, depending on staffing. For the California Report, I'm Robert Garova in Los Angeles.
1: And that's the California Report for Wednesday, April 20th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Alex Hall. Thanks for listening.
0: A new report published by the Public Policy Institute of California says that the pandemic-era decision to send mail-in ballots to all registered voters closed the gap between groups who typically have high turnout and those who are usually underrepresented. The
4: pandemic changed the way we vote in California, and some of the reforms made voting patterns more equitable while others did not, according to a new study from the Public Policy Institute of California. The decision to send mail-in ballots to all registered voters narrowed the gap between groups that often turn out in force, such as non-Hispanic white voters and older people, and those who are underrepresented, often people of color and younger folks. Study co-author Eric McGee says concerns about voter suppression are overblown.
5: When you mail everybody a ballot, you get basically the same number of people turning out to vote. You're not suppressing one side's vote versus the other. There's no evidence that it's alters election outcomes. And there really wasn't even a gap in opinions about mail balloting until the 2020 election.
4: Deep Blue Oregon and Deep Blue Utah have been mailing ballots to all registered voters for years with very few irregularities and no partisan effect. However, in the context of a primary, the study found that mailing every voter a ballot actually worsened the turnout gap. McGee says that while it elevated everybody's turnout, it raised turnout for white voters and seniors even more.
5: So in a primary election context, there can't be just sort of a rising tide lifts all ships kind of thing. It has to be more of a targeted, deliberate effort to bring out the vote of underrepresented communities.
4: In recent years, many counties have embraced the Voters' Rights Act, which allowed them to open regional vote centers to allow for more early voting while closing down some local polling places. McGee says this actually widened the turnout gap because it caused significant voter confusion, especially among neighborhoods of color and young voters.
5: So what we recommended was to consider maybe doing less consolidation or to do better outreach to communicate the change to voters so that they're more aware of it.
4: Support for this reporting was provided by the Carnegie Corporation of New York. For California News Service, I'm Suzanne Potter. Find our eight trust indicators to support transparency and accuracy at publicnewsservice.org.
0: Nevada County Environmental Health announced yesterday that the Nevada County Environmental Health Department Vector Control Program will be holding mosquito fish giveaways on five Thursday afternoons throughout May and June. Mosquito fish can consume large quantities of insect larvae in ponds and other standing bodies of water, reducing the mosquito population. Amy Irani, Environmental Health Director for Nevada County, says that the mosquito fish giveaways are one of the county's most popular events each year and are important to reducing mosquito larvae. This, in turn, reduces the risk of mosquito-borne diseases such as West Nile virus. Although helpful, these fish are a non-native invasive species and are only meant for closed and stagnant ponds and should not be placed into ponds that can drain into the local creeks and streams. The first giveaway this year happens on Thursday, May 5th from noon to 2pm in the Eric Rood Administrative Building parking lot at 950 Maidu Avenue in Nevada City. The event will be drive through only, and containers will be provided to safely transport the fish home. Looking now at the regional weather forecasts, in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, showers and possibly a thunderstorm, low around 41. Thursday, showers and more thunderstorms. The temperature should remain steady around 45 degrees. On Thursday night, showers, more thunderstorms, and a low around 38. In Truckee and the Lake Tahoe area, tonight rain and snow, mainly after 11 p.m. Snow level 6,800 feet, lowering to 6,100 feet after midnight. Low around 29. Thursday, snow before 11 a.m., then snow showers likely after 11 a.m. Snow could be heavy at times and a high near 38 degrees. On Thursday night, more snow with a low around 24. The Sierra Avalanche Center in Truckee has issued a backcountry avalanche watch for the greater Lake Tahoe area. For Sacramento and the surrounding valley, tonight showers, low around 53 degrees. On Thursday, showers and possibly a thunderstorm before 10 a.m., then a chance of showers and thunderstorms with a high near 63. On Thursday evening, showers likely with a low around 48 degrees. You are listening to the Evening News on Community Radio, KVMR. What was once a blight on the land is becoming a major source of lithium, the important component in batteries that power electric vehicles. Paul Emery spoke with hydrogeologist Steve Baker about his recent visit to the Salton Sea. This Water News with Steve Baker is supported
5: by Clearwater and Filtration on Rough and Ready Highway, Grass Valley. Well, Steve, uh, nice to have you back. Well,
6: glad to be back. You know,
5: this uh, war between Ukraine and Russia mm, yeah. has had global energy impacts. Uh, so weeding off carbon-based energy is turning our heads towards electrifying our lifestyles without petroleum. Mm-hmm.
6: Um, that's where lithium enters the picture. Okay, how does that relate to water? <laughs> you know, it's interesting that you asked me this question today because I literally just returned from a really important place in California, which is addressing this right now. And even our president has uh, has mentioned this in some of his more recent uh uh, uh, statements made in the press. Paul, I'm, I'm, I'm referring to the Salton Sea. It's this. It's the largest lake in California. I don't know if people realize that. It's bigger than Lake Tahoe. It's about 35 miles long, 15 miles wide. And what's different from Tahoe, uh, Lake Tahoe is that uh, this uh, Salton Sea has no outlet. All water ultimately comes from the Colorado River, and then it simply percolates on the other end into the ground and, or evaporates you know at the Salton Sea. So if you were to drive way south, it took us about uh, 10 hours to get there. Uh, you're going to be in the desert and the elevation is going to be negative. It's going to be negative 235 feet, okay 235 feet below sea level. So when we talk about lithium, We're not talking about the surface water. We're not talking about the lake itself. We're talking about the geothermal water that exists seven to 8,000 feet below the ground surface down there. Yeah, (laughs) it's pretty incredible. And the Salton Sea region is the second largest geothermal area in California. So this hot water has dissolved in it a lot of minerals. And that brine also contains lithium. Well, who is mining lithium down there, and does, and does the mining of lithium at the Salton Sea have a lot of environmental concerns? The brine comes from 2,900 feet below ground to sometimes as deep as 8,700 feet. And uh, as, I, as you can tell, that's not surface mining. <laughs> that's very deep in the ground, and this really uh, is a great benefit to uh, the extraction, to the environmental implications. They're they're really very few, very little. Potentially, there's 15 million metric tons of lithium available. This is what they're saying. They they speculate that much. Now, as far as who's mining down there, uh, Berkshire Hathaway Energy Renewables, they own about 10 geothermal power plants. And they're currently building at a one-tenth scale a commercial lithium extraction plant to be commissioned this this month it's happening right now we, we talked to the one of the main gentlemen who who's running that operation uh, they're also building a second plant that will be converting lithium chloride to lithium carbonate by next year and that is is important because I believe the lithium uh, quality uh, that's used for batteries is lithium carbonate I believe anyhow they're talking about 90. 90,000 tons per year of lithium carbonate being uh, extracted. So there's a lot going on. Energy uh, Source Minerals, they're also another company that's currently uh, piloting a lithium production with two of their production wells. They're looking at 20,000 tons per year. So, I mean, there's some serious efforts out there. Controlled Thermal Resources, yet another one. The uh, used brines, Okay, where you would think, oh my gosh, that's where it's going to have an environmental impact. Well, they're simply reinjected into the ground again, into, the, into other wells, not the wells that they came out of, all the way down to those deeper levels. So there really is a minimal impact to environmental concerns that are common with so many other types of mine, mining operations.
5: Okay, here's, here's a kind of off the wall question, Steve. For an ignorant person like me, what
6: is the lithium used for? The lithium is used for uh, creating batteries. You look at all the best batteries for used for solar power, used for a lot of these hand tools and other things we have in our lives, and, and also computers, they all use lithium, every single one of them. So it's
5: a very basic ingredient then for uh – switching over to storage of electricity
6: especially as we move forward the demand is going to accelerate hugely we're noticing that right now you mentioned Ukraine and Russia and the situation there Uh, you know Europe is very much uh, tied down to the petroleum coming from Russia what happens when when we're tied down to the lithium that's coming from China and and so many other other places so where does uh, this lithium come from scientists aren't sure which of the rocks they're coming from? I mean, they, they, they know it's there. To what degree, uh, they're not sure. They, they do have some other questions. Let, let me explain the geology real quick. Okay, the Salton Sea area is in a rift. And it's caused, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but plate tectonics, we, talk, we hear about that. The, the U.S., the North American continent, is a is a plate. Con- consider that big piece of of, of terrain a terrestrial environment as as a big plate of rock. Now that rock is lighter than the oceanic plate, the the, the rocks that are at the bottom of the ocean. They're, those those plates are actually moving, and they they end up hitting each other, uh, separate plates hitting each other over in the salt and sea area. And when that happens, it breaks up the the uh, the plates, and that creates rifts or valleys. All right. Well, when that happens, and it's always happening to some at some uh, rate. Uh, at the same time, the Colorado River is bringing its waters into that area, and including the, the uh, sediments, and it fills it up. So for the last four million years, there's been this back and forth of water from the Colorado River coming in, filling up the rift, and then getting diverted to another area. In the meantime, the lake that was created from all that water and, and the deposits end up – the water ends up evaporating, and then it's going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth through the years – and uh, it's it's ultimately had a, a huge accumulation of, of uh, of materials that had been evaporated, and so what resulted is a very uh, salty brine, type of uh, of uh, mineral left behind. And so this happened deep in the ground, and and then at the same time we have the plate tectonics going on, of course, and so there's all this heat. And uh, this material gets deep down into the ground, and it gets uh, transformed. And so, ultimately, you have a lot of minerals and a lot of salts that end up uh, uh, having within it concentrations of, of lithium and, and other things. They're they're not sure if the lithium is coming from the mudstones, okay, the compressed mud, or the rhyolites, which essentially is a volcanic granite. It's like a granite that's that's. Uh, it's volcanic, extrusive, it comes out of the ground. Or if it's the evaporates from just the, uh, the evaporation of so many cycles of, of river water that have planted themselves over in that area, uh, there's a very expensive study looking at this very specific thing right now, and they're hoping to get that answer because it, it will, I think, uh, uh, be important in estim- giving good estimates as to how much lithium can be pulled out of that area.
5: Well, bringing it all home, well, what benefit does
6: that have for us here in the foothills of northern California? <laughs> yeah, the benefits go way beyond the foothill regions. You know, it's global. Uh, lithium is a main ingredient for batteries. We said that earlier. And, and, and right now, we really are dependent upon China, Australia, and uh, so, uh, certain areas in South America, Chile and Argentina, so, if we have as much as we think we have in the Salton Sea, we could be the provider of lithium for the world in the next many many decades, and that is of great value uh, for stability uh, of, of our particular lifestyles, but also for those living in other countries.
5: Thank you very much, Steve. Lots. So that's interesting stuff. That's good stuff. Haven't I love being about that.
6: Love being there.
5: Managing groundwater is Steve Baker's career and passion, and that has led him into working on all water sources and supplies. This has been another conversation with KVMR's water guy, Steve Baker. You can email him with your questions at water at operationunite.co.
0: That concludes our newscast for this Wednesday evening, April 20th. But don't go away. Coming up next, The Sages Among Us. Tonight, Holly Grimaldi-Flores will talk with Community Beyond Violence board member Jeff Wenzel. Democracy Now! will air at 7, and then it's back to the music. At 8, Annie de hestbeck brings us Celtic Cadence. And at 10, we'll rock the night away with Brian McInerney. KVMR gets support from our community of listeners and from businesses like the Auburn Symphony, presenting the Mother's Day season finale, Young Artists Extravaganza, conducted by Pete Nolan, featuring classically trained regional youth Saturday, May 7th at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday, May 8th at 3 p.m. AuburnSymphony.com and Sierra View Medical Eye Incorporated, serving Nevada County's eye care needs since 1965, providing optical services, cataract and glaucoma evaluations, also treating diseases of the eye, Sierra College Drive, Grass Valley, svme2020.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Claudio Mendoza. Have a lovely evening and join us here tomorrow for another edition of the KVMR Evening News.